Okay, we're talking about the short film Sour uh, with Natalia Mikhaik and Jack Smithies. Uh, Natalia is the director. Jack is one of the co-writers. It is basic sense, guys. Uh, I guess this is kind of a, a comedy, of course, but it's about the exploration of, uh, of the effects of isolation, which I guess everybody in the world can relate with, I guess, right? From the last couple of years. Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely, yeah. I think that's that's spot on. I think it was doubly so. Um, we uh, initially banded together as a group to write something very different and, and direct something very different and lockdown hampered that. Uh, and then obviously the story idea was generated by lockdown as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's absolutely correct. So how did this, how did the script, uh, the three of you guys wrote the script, you two and then Aaron, uh, who might be joining us and might not be joining us, but he, so then how did it all, you guys all come together? Like who wrote the initial, who came up with the idea? Like how did it all come together for the script stage? So over to Jack, that was his original baby, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, during the lockdown, uh, early on in the first lockdown, um, I think everybody was kind of protesting. Manifested in lots of interesting little cultural quirks that emerged, I think. And one of the ones that I noticed was that all my female friends around me went crazy about sourdough. And uh, not only were they, you know, sharing sourdough cultures with each other and discussing it uh, constantly, but also kind of talking about it in a slightly creepy and insidious way that that kind of made my flesh crawl, but also <laughs> made my imagination take a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Talking about it as though it was a baby, um, you know, as th things like that. Talking about feeding him, uh, you know, uh, how's your baby doing? Things like that. Um, so for people who don't know, a sourdough culture is a living kind of massive fungus uh, with some, yeah. some sort of flour and other stuff thrown in there. Um, but the fact that it was taking on living qualities uh, coupled with the kind of the, the madness and the, the, the closeness and, and the kind of uh, ramifications that also the kind of echoes of contagion and other things like that that were swimming around in my head at the time. I thought it, it was quite an interesting and fertile idea. So I initially wrote an audio drama about it. And then uh, when this opportunity to make the film came up, I kind of pitched it as a short to, to the group. Um, oh, wow. So it was kind of like a kind of like a like an audio kind of story, kind of like. So how did you write the story? Or was this your initial concept? That was my original concept. Yeah. So it, it was part of a kind of a master's program. One of the assignments was to try out a short audio script. Uh, I think it was only maybe five or ten pages, something like that. So I started writing it um, as an audio script. Um, I thought that one of the things that really triggered it for me actually was that um, we'd thrown away a sourdough starter at my house, and in the middle of the night. Um, the gases that it produces as it starts to decompose the flour and things like that were seeping out of the tub that we had it in. And it created this very eerie sound effect, uh, this kind of hissing, whistling noise. It was a little bit like screaming. Um, and I heard this and I thought that's, that's, that's perfect for this, this audio project. Um, and, I, and I decided to write a little horror kind of, predominantly horror more so than comedy at the time, uh, script about it, but kind of obviously quite goofy at the same time. And yeah. Then, and then... That, it, it mutated. And then, so then how did the three of you guys come together? Like, it's like, well, how did like, you, you're saying you had the, the initial idea of like, it, it could be a short film. How did that kind of start, start up, get, get started? Um, so originally we, the three of us, Aaron, Jack and me, we were working and with the same producers, we were working on another project called Soft Serve, which okay. was a about two rival ice cream sellers in North London and that was a really big project we were excited to shoot but that was based within 
the community in, in North London. So that involved a lot of costs, a lot of people, a lot of um, a lot of budget. But instead, when lockdown happened, we had to scale down. So we were already like looking for a way to create a new graduation project film, but on a smaller scale. So when uh, so when Jack shared his uh, radio play, uh, I just thought, oh, that's such a great idea. And then Jack pitched it for a film, and we thought it's great because what's great about it is it's set in lockdown, so we can naturally. Uh, we can uh, observe all the lockdown restrictions when we shoot. We can isolate the actors without there needing to be some you know, extraneous reason for that. And it all just naturally and organically flowed together. Um, uh, needless to say, it was a challenge still, you know, shooting something like that during lockdown. But, the, you know, the concept was just it's ready for that sort of a pandemic. <laughs> gotcha. So... Okay, so then obviously there's 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 like one location, there's a couple few actors. So so how did the process of the of the film get started get started? Did you, did you have the location in mind while you're writing the, the script? So originally, yeah, we I mean we imagined the location to be somewhere very suburban, something that depicts a kind of perfect suburban uh, picture book lifestyle. So uh, so Jack had this idea of that this was also a commentary on middle class culture. Yeah. And, Kind of you know the obsessions uh, of suburbia uh, but you know we we had this place in mind but we still had to find it so we actually did um, a letter drop to find the location so uh, weirdly even during lockdown people were still keen to share their homes with us <laughs> obviously they had to leave while we shot it just yeah. for their own safety but you know we managed to find this perfect house um, through a lot of work but also completely by fortune because uh, the couple that lived in the house their son was a filmmaker so they were very keen to support other young filmmakers and uh, and they, were, they understood that we were struggling during lockdown to kind of make this film happen and graduate as well because it was our graduation film and they just went ahead with it and yeah it was just a perfect location it really kind of uh, fitted the characters really well. So yeah, so the, you, uh, it's a student, like you said, you, you just mentioned it's a student film. So what, what school was it from? Uh, Goldsmiths, a university in London, UK. Okay. So the, 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 the production design of the house is very precise, very like it kind of identifies the main character in a nutshell. You kind of like established the story by showing us the house first. So what did you change? Like, did you change a lot of the, in the house in terms of the production design? I mean, we didn't, obviously, the house itself already had that feeling of being something very kind of high-end, kind of a, a li aspirational lifestyle. But our production designer obviously had to make it much more symmetrical because Fiona is a very precise woman. Yeah. And everything's perfect in her life. So that was the element we did add to the house. It felt much less lived in and much more symmetrical. Uh, there was also the five-year life plan which was uh, original in the script. And that was, again, created in a very beautiful way by Mike, our production designer. And it was very comical, but also kind of depicted uh, this woman who is very, who's very obsessive with the details in yeah. her life and what she wants from life. And if she doesn't get it, she will find a way to get it, whether that means uh, marrying with a sourdough starter and her dead husband. <laughs> So, okay, so, okay, the film, the first minute of the film is fantastic because you basically establish, this is the first 60 seconds, you establish the location, you establish, like, the, you, have the, you just mentioned the five-year plan, without even, without at the beginning, without even with the main character, then she's outside, and she's in the garden, but then, but she's also, like, wearing clothes that usually people don't, who are gardening, 
don't wear like she's kind of like oh you know upper middle class kind of like attire like she's ready to go to work kind of thing so you establish her without even her saying a word in like right in the first minute and then of course when the credits roll there's a finger on the ground so it's like what the hell's going on here and then right from there you got the audience hook that's sort of your beginning right yeah exactly i mean i just i mean i am influenced by blue velvet so I'm a big yeah. fan of David Lynch and there's that, you know, there's an the opening scene when he discovers the ear and, and it's all that kind of, it's the dark underbelly of suburban life or of everyday life. And that's what we were going for with this scene as well. And I'm glad you noticed the costumes as well. I, I was like, I, I'm a big fan of costume design and film. So that's that particular passion I have. So I picked out the costumes for Fiona based on that particular reason that she, even during lockdown, she does not, you know, she does not scale down. She's still her perfect self, even when she's gardening. And it may be a bit incongruous, but it is, it depicts who she is as a person. So, so let's talk about the actor. Where did you find, uh, was it Lily, uh, Lily Cooper who played her? Like who, uh, where did you find her? Do you know what? We did do the full casting, but Lily Cooper, it was, again, a blessed accident. So she originally had volunteered to do a script reading of our plays, of our graduation um, scripts. So every so there were various groups doing other films in our course, and we had a chance to get professional actors to just read our scripts while we were in lockdown, just to hear them read out loud by actors. And she had uh, volunteered to read for this character. Uh, for the character Fiona and you know and then eventually when we started the casting process she auditioned she applied for that we did a, we also we did a first audition then we did a chemistry read with the other actress uh, Laura who plays Emily the neighbor and we cast her because she was perfect but we we were lucky enough that we discovered her from day one and we got to see her through various stages and to really be convinced that yes yeah, she'd be perfect for that role. Yeah, she's fantastic. And you're like, you're giving, so during the film, you're giving the audience a little, like some plots, I guess, some kind of uh, inkling. So the person knocks on the door, it's the typical neighbor. And then, and then, then she like throws it in the, in the garbage. And then there's like that, no, I can't do this anymore. There's the golf clubs, the picture of her husband or her boyfriend, the finger. So we're all kind of connecting that she killed her, her boyfriend or her husband during lockdown, I guess. Right. Exactly, 100%. I'm, I'm glad it all connected for you as well. Yeah. And it was fantastic. Also, so It's great yeah. filmmaking. I, I, it's like, it's great. Uh, it's, so I think it connects for everybody, not just for me, just to point it out, yeah. That's fantastic, because we also kind of, we had this subplot with Stuart, like, where is Stuart? What happened to her boyfriend, yeah. her fiancé? And it was a bit of a like, little criminal kind of detective story that actually Emily, the neighbour, she participates in unwittingly. Yeah. She ended also becoming a victim of that uh, but yeah it was nice to have a little puzzle film as well within what is essentially a comedy yeah but it, it not to sound i hope this comes across the right way but if you're going to kill your husband or your wife during lockdown would be a pretty good time i guess right because there's that uh, there's, there's like nobody's really like everybody's inside right <laughs> so I mean, exactly. months go by right Exactly. And we were all inspired by the, well, I mean, this is an unfortunate statistic that a lot of couples broke up during lockdown. Yeah, so that, it was also a commentary on what lockdown does to people who are forced to spend so much time together in yeah. one house. Well, do you think as well, though, our lead, you know, character, uh, Fiona, she's the, you know, she's conscious of keeping up appearances at all times. So I think she would have spotted it as an opportunity, quite possibly, but, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think she, she's thinking along your lines for definite. 
Yeah, it's it, for me. It's like it's like boundaries and expectations. Like this person with this meticulous mindset has these expectations for her marriage or her or boyfriend, and and then now it doesn't work out, so she doesn't know what to do. So she kind of snaps, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And we were also inspired by the whole, you know, manifest your dream life um, kind of trend in our modern society so people are obsessed with like vision boards so she creates a vision board but the irony is she's not able to deviate from it you know she will find a way to get what she wants Uh, I mean I guess I mean she's a psychopathic character obviously but there's also an irony that you know as we kind of get obsessed with our own vision sometimes we turn into those psychopaths (laughs) the top it's hard to be balanced when you want to get something done. Like they go making a film, right? Like how intense the experience is. You have to be obsessive, I guess, right? It is. Uh, I mean, that's what I've experienced is that filmmaking is the most obsessive pursuit I've ever done. And I'm sure it's the same for the writers as well. It's like, it's it's such a passion. You, you have to do it. You just, even if you're, you know, ex- you may be exhausted, but there's something within you that makes you keep writing, keep directing, keep trying to get that film made. And I'm glad we did. And that energy kind of, got us here because we managed to make this film despite you know being in lockdown and that the thing you kind of nailed like lockdown in a lot of ways because people got into things right people got into gardening like i know a neighbor who like built a garden this huge garden in their backyard and didn't know anything about gardening but that's what they did during that time right like it's like people like wrote people like or people just vegged out and, and got obsessive about television, but a lot of people got creative, right? And then this character kind of gets creative in, in her own kind of crazy way, I guess, right? Uh, exactly. And all the different characters, including Emily, the nosy neighbor, Stuart, the avid golfer, and Fiona's ex fiance of um, yeah. Fiona, and Fiona, they all have different lockdown hobbies. So we, ha- we created these backstories. So um, for Stuart, it was actually gardening. Uh, you know, in addition to practicing his golf swings, which also didn't lead uh, down the right road. Yeah. You know, it was the golf club that then killed him. And, you know, he was buried in, in the lovely garden. And then for, obviously for Fiona, it's the sourdough starter. It becomes her new hobby. Uh, and for Emily, she's just becomes one of those kind of overly zealous neighbors who's checking up on everyone and being yeah. overly righteous. And it also leads her into trouble. It's kind of those fatal flaws. Well, she's lonely, right? The neighbors, that's what people have in lockdown too. People got lonely and they like kind of wanted to invade your space, I guess, right? Yeah, I like that, invade your space. I think beyond that as well, it was this, it was this sort of ambient air of suspicion, um, particularly in, in, the, in the first lockdown, people kind of spying on their neighbors to make sure that they weren't breaking the rules and things like that. That kind of slightly oppressive mood was definitely an inspiration. And I think that, um, I think that the, uh, the character of um, Emily, you know, that was it was brilliantly acted. I thought, um, in the sense that there was something slightly insidious um, underneath the surface of her kind of uh, caring gesture of, of checking on her neighbors. Yeah. No, I, we know. I think we everybody knows this person. I guess right during lockdown. Uh, yeah, um, I've had quite a few people say they felt a pinch of satisfaction when she um, gets hit by the golf club. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, we all know that kind of person. They're well-meaning, but sometimes, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's about, it's kind of about them, I guess, right? That's what it comes down to. They, they, like, it's the people that who care about others, but then it's really about them, I guess, right? Exactly, yeah. So in terms of the violence, like you didn't really show too much. Like, did you, would you, how did you kind of stage that? How did you want to stage that? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess we could have gone a bit more violent with it. I think it's got just the right amount of blood. <laughs> I think um, the first thing is obviously the prosthetics were a big part of that. And, you know, it's something I definitely wanted to keep within the script because I think it does add that layer of dark comedy and it's a bit surreal and it's morbid. And I don't know, there's something about it that's quite fun as well. I'm inspired by B movies <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and B movies often have some very kind of gory, but equally comic um, sort yeah. of special effects. Um, so yeah, and for the scene where uh, this neighbor gets hit by the golf club, that did take some, you know, editing skill and choreography. Yeah. So we, again, we didn't want to, you know, hurt, hurt anyone, of course. And, you know, we had to plan that in advance through storyboarding, a test, a little test shoot and editing. But to be honest, it is mostly movie magic. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, including the frog. The frog does not, or the toad does not get hit. Uh, or hurt. Sure, it didn't. Yeah, I, I know. We, it didn't. <laughs> we, loved, we loved our little uh, animal friends. In terms of tone, like you want to keep this funny, like it's it becomes dark, it's zany, it's like, but tone wise, it's always got to be a comedy. It can't get too dark, it can't get too dramatic, I guess, right? Well, that's, I mean, as a director, that's the challenge I had because I'm, I also like making drama. I'm, I love dramatic films. I love psychological horror, psychological thrillers. So for me, I didn't want to go too funny. I wanted to find a balance between it still having that darkness so that it makes people think and that it leaves you with that feeling of something uneasy. But at the same time, you can laugh about it and it's satirizing, you know, society and the themes it deals with. Um, so that was a challenge. But I think in the end, it's just about trying different things. We, we went through 15 drafts. <laughs> so we tried out different tones. We tried out different jokes. Yeah. And in the end, it was about picking. And even in the edit, it was sometimes we had to cut down jokes in the edit. That was painful, but I think it was worth it for the final uh, edit. Uh, Jack, what about you? What do you think? <laughs> I think that um, in the end, uh, the, the kind of, the saccharine almost feeling of, of the live, or, the, or at least the way the, the, the two female leads present to the world. Um, I think that the fact that that gets uh, smashed apart in an in incredibly violent fashion, I think that that actually is a joke in itself that, that really tickles me. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that striking that balance between dark and, and uh, quite funny and, and bright and uh, bright in a, in a sort of, the visual feel of it is very bright, clean, pristine, and then sort of, working your way into that underbelly as uh, as as natalia talked about earlier the sort of david lynch references yeah um, you know, i think that that's that that works in quite a satisfying way um as i said i think my initial draft of it was way more horror focused and it was a lot more grim and dark and over the various drafts we worked our way towards something that was sort of towing the line a bit more and yeah um, and you know natalia's vision stands all over that and i think it, it works it works really well in the end thanks jack Cool. So, um, yeah, so basically, so that you're talking about the editing uh, as, as well. So did you like who edited the film? Like, did you guys, how was the experience in editing? Because you're talking about like really making sure that everything is fine tuned and toned and everything is perfect, I guess. Right. Yeah. So we worked with a wonderful editor in who is uh, also on our course. So we were again, we were all put together in one group originally to work on the previous project Softser, and we got to stay together and work on this new kind of comedy sour um, and what I, what was great is that Inhei went and did her first draft on her own so we didn't input anything 
we just wanted to see how she kind of approached this fresh material and what she did with it and that was fantastic because then you could really kind of see it come to life and then it was simply a matter of kind of trying different approaches getting feedback we often got feedback from our professors from the rest of our crew and it was then just yeah bringing it all together for the next draft and the next until we reached something that we were all happy with so what did you guys think about our audience feedback and the feedback video that we sent you Oh, I loved it. It was, it was so satisfying to just see people enjoy the film and also satisfying that people really notice the little details and the attention we paid to the details. Because sometimes you wonder, oh, will that be missed by an audience member or was that and just, you know, we spent so much time perfecting this little detail. But actually, that was fantastic. Um, and it was always great to hear how people interpret different parts of it or what attracts different people to different parts of it. And yeah, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. What did you think, Jack? Likewise. Yeah, likewise. I would say that it was really fun to see people uh, to see people's creative interpretations of it, not just not just sort of recounting what happened in the film, but how they interpreted, you know, the, the characters and the motivations and stuff like that. Because you know, we did put a lot of thought into that. We worked a really a really long time on the fifteen dress, and um, you know, they, the fact that they picked up on some stuff that that we definitely intended to be in there was great. But also on top of that, that people had their own interpretations that are, are valid, and, and it's just really rewarding to hear that. Yeah, so so then, okay, so then, like, yeah, this is a pretty solid uh, student short film. You guys should all be, uh, uh, as you played at other festivals, has it done well at other festivals for you? Yeah, we've had a, a few festival runs with it. Um, we're still continuing to send it to a couple of others and waiting back. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been, I think it has been well received. Uh, but I do, it was unfortunate, though, that when it, we started entering festivals, a lot of festivals were still online, yeah. uh, you know, and the first uh, actual in-person screening was at Women X Film Festival. And I'm, it was in Stockton in North of England. I, I managed to, you know, we had like problems with the trains, but I managed to brave through to go and actually see it on the screen. And that was the most satisfying experience because you can actually hear live audiences yeah. laughing or totally. being in shock, gasping. And, you know, and that's fantastic. That's like a feeling. That's what all filmmakers strive towards. 100%. So what are you guys doing now? Have you graduated? Yeah, uh, we've graduated. Um, we <laughs> went back to our day jobs, but we're still continuing to you know, pursue our passions. We're writing different scripts. Um, I mean, I've actually, since then, I've ended up directing two more comedies about, oh, wow. food, about food. One's about cheese and one's about biscuits. <laughs> so that's been an interesting kind of- oh, the trilogy. Uh, a trilogy, yeah, like, mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> So uh, one of the films, uh, Have a Biscuit, is now going to be screening at Women X Festival again um, in September. So that's And that's also starring Laura, who plays the neighbour in Sour. So now she plays a funeral director who's having this kind of anxious stream of consciousness uh, voice in her head uh, where she's afraid that she's offending the widow sat mm -hmm. in front of her because she's bought the wrong biscuit. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's very British as well. What about the soft serve idea? Do you ever want to go back to that? Oh, 100% definitely. Uh, but I've, um, I was thinking that I'd really love to see it as a TV show. So at the moment, I kind of, I put it to the side until I kind of I get more funding for it. Mm -hmm. But it would be fantastic to get our team back together, Jack, Aaron and me, and we can all work and turn it into something big. Because <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that was our, that was also our baby. <laughs> and, uh, but we had to, you know, put, due to lockdown, say, not now. Zach, what are your dreams and aspirations after post-graduation? 
for me, I'm, I'm like, as Natalia said, I'm, I'm back to the day job now, and uh, I'm, I'm focusing a lot on maybe longer form stuff. So um, I, you know, I've made kind of drafts of a couple of like features and things like that that you know that still workshop in still need a lot of work but um you know sort of plowing on with it and uh experimented a bit with with fiction as well because i i did um you know before i was into screenwriting i was i was into writing fiction i i kind of took a bit of detour into screenwriting for a couple of years to, to see what it was like learn a bit more about story structure and things like that which are more prominent elements of screenwriting but i'm, I'm you know writing prose fiction um once again and, and really getting a lot out of that um but yeah just kind of plugging away at things and, and hopefully something sticks eventually um but i would i think i've you know I've done, I've done a bit of work on a couple of short films as well um but again with with balancing the day job and things like that it's it's, it's challenging to um you know uh to keep all those projects moving along at the same time yeah. um yeah J just try my best basically yeah, we all are. Well, I wish you guys the best. I think you made a really solid student short film and uh, very funny, very dark, nice performed. And it's like I said, it's all about tone. It's like a really hard film to like kind of nail that that tone and make sure it's always funny and it doesn't get too zany, doesn't get too dark and doesn't get too sad, I guess. Right. So so great job. Really difficult to do. And it's like it, uh, I really appreciate you guys submitting. And uh, let's we'll talk again when you make your next film or we see your next film at our festival. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel, Schlemizel, Hasenbeff Incorporated.